Hey, everybody. Welcome to Bang Broadcast, episode number 292. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out February 10th, 2016. Mm. And then we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week, it's part two of our top favorite DC stories of all time. Uh, on the last episode, we did numbers uh, 10 through 6. Today, it's all about 5 through 1. So this is the best of the best, as according to us. Yeah. Pay attention, DC. Get back to basics. Get back to good stuff. And as always, we uh, start the show with a beer. And Paul and I are drinking something that Chris had on the show a few weeks ago. And this is Bittersweet from Left Hand Brewery. This is their Imperial Coffee Milk Stout. Mm-hmm. And Paul's taking a sip to see how really, it feels. I really like this. Uh, actually, this is the second bottle of uh, this beer that I bought. Uh, I bought it for this show like about three, four weeks ago. And it was sitting around, sitting around. And I'm like, you know what? I, I deserve a beer. So over the two, uh, the course of two or three nights, I uh, finished off, uh, you know, I had one glass a night. And it's just this nice, smooth Coffee rich. You get a nice coffee on it. And it's, uh, we're recording in the afternoon, so it's Mm -hmm. just past, uh, coffee time. Just, just a little past coffee time. It's It's past coffee time, pre beer time, so you're Mm -hmm. in a good spot with it. Yeah, (laughs) that's why we started with it. We thought it was perfect. Perfect blend. It's our, uh, brunch beer. Uh, I, I don't have a beer this week, but I'm going to piggyback on what you guys are talking about because every time I've gone to my local beer cellar and I still see that (laughs) there, I think about getting it just because I loved it so much, but I'm always like, oh, I need to try something new, I need to get something different, because there's so much stuff there that I haven't tried yet, but that one always kind of calls out to me a little bit, mm-hmm. and I think once we finish up uh, with recording today, I might just go over there and get some beers for the day while I clean, and then I'll probably be one of them. Get, get your cleaning beer on. Get your cleaning beer. Keeps you peppy with all that coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, that yeah, coffee you, and to piggyback on that, Chris, it's hard to be a beer drinker when you know you always have to be on the outlook for new beers to have for the podcast? Because mm-hmm. is, is it? Well, or is it a great excuse? Is it like, well, well, well I got it. Yeah, but no, when you're like, oh, well, I need to get this for the podcast, which I'm spending beer, mm-hmm. I'm spending money on this beer, but then I really kind of want something just now. And a lot of times yeah. when I buy beer for the podcast, I don't <coughs> really touch it mm-hmm. unless it's something that I kind of buy for myself see how good it is, and then go, oh, i got to share this with the guys. Mm -hmm. So you have this podcast beer section and then John beer section, or, you know, what you need to buy just for yourself for casual drinking. Well, because I'm going to piggyback off of that then. (laughs) Because because I actually bought the Magic Hat uh, spring sampler that's out. And there's there's basically the same stuff that they always have, you know, four Magic Hat, uh, number nines, and then they had the single chair, which they had out last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Isn't there like a logger like, in there? Yeah. And then I can't. Oh, I still have the empty, empty case. But there was like two beers that like I hadn't seen before, like only in here. Um, see, oh, the mother logger, which was the Euro style logger, and then the low key session IPA. And I mean, neither one of those was like knockout crazy, but it was something that I bought to try. Mm-hmm. But also, I could just kind of have it on the side for that casual, like day drinking stuff. Uh, picking, I think you also picked up this. Uh, talking about casual day drinking stuff, uh, I picked up the Coney Island uh, sampler pack. 
Uh, Paul, you need to say you're going to piggyback off of that. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to uh, leapfrog off of the, what you were saying. Different game. Because now we're just... Because there's too much piggybacking. We're going to hurt a big, ourselves. This is a big jump you're making, though, Paul. Yeah, big jump. Uh, I'm going to piggyback off of what you said, Chris, and uh, talk about the Coney Island sampler pack that I picked up the winter. Because it came... It, it was all right. It's pretty good. Uh, there's Saison, there's, uh, which is has a nice little grape... Uh, not grape grapefruit and uh, orange peel kind of zest to it. Hmm. Good saison. Their IPA is just meh, you know, almost just a pale. Nothing very hmm. IPA about it. Uh, I haven't tried the root beer or the other one that's in there yet. I, I've, I've had the root beer before, mm-hmm. uh, and it was pretty good. It was wasn't my favorite. I don't think of the like the hard root beer mm-hmm. once I've tried, but it was good. Um, but Paul, I'm going to piggyback off of that. Because I just recently tried that Henry's hard soda. Okay, um, is that because I've been I've been seeing them around here often, and I I just wanted something to drink last week. Is yeah, that the, like uh, the seltzer water stuff? No, it's it's like a hard soda. They have um, they're in clear bottles. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's in, they have an orange soda. There's like a ginger and a beer. cherry, I think. Yeah, I haven't tried those two, but because they were like buy one get one free, <laughs> so I got the orange soda and the ginger beer one, and they taste. Almost like a, uh, what were those Bacardi things? Uh, the ones in the, in the little like fuzzy navel and like the st- yeah, it was like, kind of like the- how like Smirnoff had like those ice and then like Bacardi had like their own like, little thing. It was basically uh-huh. the summer of malt beverages that tasted like other things with alcohol in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I equate them to kind of like that. It tastes like you know ginger ale or orange soda, but then you get that little bit of an alcohol kick on the back end. Well, they're all like That's- those all those. Like the ginger ale beers and all that, they basically are just malt liquor. They're yeah. just condensed down alcohol and then flavored. See, I feel like a lot of them though are a higher quality. Um, this Henry's, I forget the name of the actual like quote unquote brewery that does it, but they're a subsidiary of Miller. Mm. So, like right off the bat, you're probably dealing with not the most care given mm. into it. But I would take probably like the Coney Island or the not your father's over those any day. Well, Coney Island's a subsidiary of, or the biggest investor is Sam Adams, right? They're like I their, think so. Uh, the Coney they, Island, yeah. They, they own like a large percentage of the company. And uh, to piggyback on that, Chris, uh, just recently I picked up. Um, <laughs> Name of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by uh, the fourth time we said it, I already knew. <laughs> Uh, I had picked up, um, it was in a can, it was one of those malt liquor things, but it was uh, Moscow Mule and um, Sex on the Beach. Because Moscow Mule, um, there's um, another name for the version of that that you do with gin. I forget what it's called. Slow gin fizz. Maybe. Um, <laughs> but I picked that up because I've had the gin ones and I've liked them. And I said, oh, I'll try this. You know, it'll be fun, something that I can split with um, Future Wife. And uh, it was really, really good. The sex on the beach, though, I was like, this is disgusting. And I didn't drink it. And as I'm pouring it out, she's like, what's wrong with it? And I looked at her and I said, it's no tilt. And just kept pouring <laughs> it out. Uh, so, the Moscow Mule was pretty good. A, a, uh, uh, I, I've seen some, like, uh, I don't remember <coughs> what it was, but it was like a bottled Moscow Mule, so I'm wondering if it was the same one. Uh, this was in a can. Okay, it was a can. And so I have to say, like, um, what is it, uh, Blue Point, not Blue Point, um, Ballast Point, 
they do those uh, cocktails in a can. Mm. We don't get them out this way, but I've I was intrigued. I, yeah. I was intrigued in trying what they were doing, and there are some specialty releases that um, Brooklyn does where they go after different cocktails. Mm. Huh. I, I trust uh, Ballast Point Victory at Seas really good. Yeah, I would for Sculpin IPA too. Yeah, Sculpin like IPA is probably. Probably one of my favorite IPAs. The, yeah, with the grapefruit, the grapefruit uh, sculpt, and I. Really I think like. regular. I think the grapefruit takes oh, away from the that's flavor. That's why you're over there, and I'm over here. <laughs> I, I like the grapefruit one as well. I like the grapefruit, but I think the regular one has just as much of a grapefruit enjoyable taste that you don't the the adding grapefruit to it takes away from the beer. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it takes away. I think it's I think it's addition by addition. I think it's good. All right. Talking about addition, we'll add to the show more piggyback news. We'll add we'll add news to the show, and to piggyback off of that, Paul, uh, yeah, we gonna get there. We, after I think now it's fifty two days mm-hmm. that uh, Star Wars Force Unleashed has been released. It has crossed the nine hundred million dollar mark. Uh, uh, to piggyback off of what you're saying, is I got the uh, the numbers from Box Office Mojo right here <laughs> up on the screen. Yeah, uh, 52 days, uh, they made $905 million. Almost, if you round it up, it would be $906 million. Uh, you might be wondering, where does it put uh, Star Wars Force and Awakens in the top uh, all-time, uh, all-time, uh, whatchamacallit, domestic, domestic grossing? Uh, where where would it fall? Well, it's still number four, behind Avatar, Jurassic World, and the original Avengers. So, uh, wait, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, um, no I'm sorry, I'm Avatar, reading that back. Avatar has 2.78 billion. Titanic, 2.19 billion. Mm. I think those are the two it has to beat. Okay. I'm, you know what? I got confused because I started looking at the worldwide and not the domestic. So I'm sorry about that. Yeah, Jurassic Park had uh, $628.8 million at the same time period. <clears throat> so it's making Google money. Making, making lots of money. Lots of money. Lots of money. Uh, which I'm not hard to expect that it was going to do that. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if that was an actual sentence that I put those words together but there were words uh, they did come out one after another so I think that does qualify count, as it, a sentence I don't know it didn't, it didn't sound very uh, it didn't seem like I knew what I was talking about when I said those words anywho you did a good job of selling it and something else you're doing a good job of selling is the upcoming uh, Deadpool movie yeah a lot of great reviews uh, definitely something that I'm looking forward to seeing. I haven't seen the last, what, like two or three X-Men movies at this point now, I guess. I saw Days of Future Past. As did I. I think uh, Because it was on HBO Go or something. So I'm like, oh, it's free. Why not watch it? And it's not bad. It's not. It's better than the other X-Men's we've gotten. First, it was better than First Class. Better, well, we liked it better than First Class. A lot of people liked First Class. Greg, um, for some reason, uh, Greg's come out to say he was wrong. But oh, oh really? Too. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad he sobered up. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I think X2, even X1. I mean, X1 very kind of feels very dated at this point. Mm-hmm. I think it's still a good movie. X2, I think, is probably one of the best of the X Men movies. I would probably put 
few days of future past number three. Hmm. Yeah, but that's more saying how crappy the X three was. More X, so, than, and I, I'm I'm group, are, are you grouping Wolverine? I'm Wolverines in there too. I have not seen any of the Wolverine movies. I saw the first one and I didn't see. Origins is bad. The other Wolverine, the the Wolverine, mm-hmm. uh, bad. Is there three Wolverine movies no, or just, just two? There's going to be a third one. Oh. Is it going to be called Old Man Logan? Yeah, it is. Okay. I think it's going to be called Old Man Logan. Because now he can age, from what I understand from spoilers from the Wolverine. Because they he lost his healing factor for a while there. Maybe, I don't know. Took it away. Mm-hmm. Like, you watched it. <laughs> watched what? The Wolverine. Oh, yeah, he did in the yeah in the movie. <laughs> I thought you were talking about the comic books. I'm going to have to use... I'm walking away just to use the bathroom, Uh, but more so out of disgust. I thought you were talking about in the comic books, and I was like, yeah, you know, I guess. Because that happened in the comic books, too. And they killed him. He was dead. No, he's a statue. Now he's a statue. Now he's a statue. Yeah. They they, they did all this before. It doesn't matter. But yeah, Deadpool. I'm actually really looking forward to this one uh, coming out next week. Uh... I I will be going to see this one. Uh, I will as well. It'll be a nice uh, Valentine's date with uh, future wife and myself. Uh, and something else I'm looking forward to seeing is actually the episode of Supergirl coming up with special guest star The Flash. Uh, yeah, this is something um, Chris and I were talking pre-show about how I've wanted to catch back up on Supergirl because it looks like they've been doing everything I'd want that show to be doing and anytime i see the news from that show i'm like ah, i should really check it out this might be a great jumping on point for me to either see what they're doing and go back and watch or just continue to admire what they're doing and stay the course that i'm doing right now and just to kind of not rehash our conversation but more for the benefit of the people listening or piggyback uh, on what i was saying or, or piggyback uh i went back and watched one of the episodes that I missed out on after um, I had stopped watching after the pilot and it was okay there wasn't enough there to completely sell me on the series um, and I think it's one of those things that I'm okay with watching it from afar just seeing what they're de- like doing with it and thinking oh that's pretty cool and then continuing on with my day like I don't think I need to watch it but I will be watching this Flash episode because uh, the CW has just been knocking it out of the park. I mean, Arrow, Flash, and now Legends of Tomorrow. I, I dig these shows, and they're the shows that I'm actually looking forward to seeing the new episodes of. It's, it's an engrossing view, like viewing process for me. It's not just something I put on in the background. Uh, yeah, I mean, week to week, now I sit down three days a week and watch in a row in consecutive days the different shows that they put out. Because yeah. I mean, there's really not much else you can ask for as a TV network now. Like you have not even just a block of shows, but you have consecutive days worth of viewing that you have people like champing at the bit to get to. Um, did you also see that CW is talking about maybe doing something with the Teen Titans? Um, I did see something about that. Uh, um, it because looks, TBS it, was going to do it. TBS right? is going to do it, and then they. That- Fell through. They fell through. It canceled because they weren't happy where things were going. Mm-hmm. And CW said, hey, well, let's take a look at it. Uh, I don't think anything is set in stone, but they're looking into it. And this is interesting because I think last year after Legend, you know, Legends mm-hmm. was set to come out, they'd come out to say, this is going to be our last DC show. 
Well, it's also their most expensive DC show from, you know, the budget on all the sci- uh, on all special the, effects. All the special stuff. effects. But Legends is doing great number-wise. Mm-hmm. Flash is one of the highest-rated shows. Yeah. Uh, and just people are tuning in week to week to see that Flash show. I think, like, the only thing that was beating it number-wise um, was, like, Walking Dead. And even that, it's Flash is still having, like, some of the highest... And that's uh, broadcast viewers. versus cable. Yeah. yeah. So you're gonna. So it's surprising that Walking Dead does as well as it does. Saying is there's an entry fee to a, even be able to watch it. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to have the the cable TV. John is John is making me want to finish my beer. My beer is so cracked good. open a bourbon. You're making me want to go get beer. <laughs> oh, should we take a pause? <laughs> no, no, it's okay because. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's probably absolutely insane there right now. It's Super Bowl Sunday, after all. Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl. Mm, look forward to that not episode. Mm. Or I hope you listen to it already on the feed. <laughs> it'll it'll be there. Is it, I thought it was just going to go up as a regular episode. Mm, well, because we're not doing our main topic or list or anything else, so it won't be a full, full episode. Mm. So it's just going to be the back end. It's going to be a special edition. Special. It's a special, oh, special Super Bowl. edition. Okay. Not not episode. Special edition. You already know this, listeners. So <laughs> you, Hopefully you've already listened to the special yeah. edition we put out. And talking about not episodes, uh, John and I, we, we just published our not episode two, uh, 292, uh, where we talked all about board games. We we saw that we got some good feedback from that. So I want to bring up some uh, board game news. You know, I'm going to keep on trying to do this every every week in the uh, Week in Geek. Uh, something that caught, caught my eye that's comic book related is uh, IDW. You know, comic book producers and also board game producers. They uh, just started on kick- Kickstarter uh, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, Sh- uh, Shadows of the Past. And this is based off of the actual original comic book series from IDW. And it comes with actually uh, Kevin Eastman variant turtles if oh, you kickstart it. That's kind of cool. And also, and the, you know, turtle figures look like. Uh, like they did during the, their actual release. Uh, That's kind of cool. It's being designed by Kevin Wilson, who did Arkham Horror, and also Descent, and also did the uh, third, just recently did the third edition of Fury of Dracula. So one player takes control of, kind of like in the Fury of Dracula, takes control of uh, Shredder, and you know manipulates the henchmen, the foot soldiers. There's also uh, uh, Kyra and all. Uh, Heliplex, Helipex. I didn't read the comics. I was more of the cartoon kid for Ninja Turtles, so I don't understand them. But uh, apparently, you can unlock Casey Jones in this game, so it's kind of got. Uh, I'm assuming some sort of legacy element where you, where you gain levels and everything else. Huh. Fun so tile maps and ability cards and dice to roll. Yeah. Definitely. It looks it looks cool. It, I, I think it's gonna kind of like a what force a couple months ago. Uh, the Ghostbusters from IDW was released, and you you take control of a player mat, and you can was that a board game level? Yeah. Oh, nice. It was kickstarted. Yeah, they were kickstarting that one too. Yeah, probably kickstarted almost a year ago, and then it actually got a full release just recently. So I've seen it at the store, and I'm like, ooh, it's pricey because of all the plastic minis in it. Makes it makes me a little afraid to pick it up. Mm. Also, I'd want to play with a whole group of people. 
Yeah. And then since it has that leveling up thing, I probably want to keep with that same Yeah. It's hard to find a group of people to play with consistently. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And the last bit of news I have is we've gotten some casting news for FX's Legion. This is the story of uh, David Haller, son of Charles Xavier, and his pursuit to be a bad guy i don't know they're okay. they're putting this as like the comic books version of breaking bad uh but the casting they've done is the main character um david holler is going to be downton abbey star dan stevens uh who you're a fan of uh yeah I, I enjoyed the first season of downton abbey and went up until into the second season and then they started killing off all of the fav- my favorite characters so i'm like screw this show i'm out uh audrey plaza has been cast what uh, i'm in <laughs> she's going to be playing uh david's um one of his best friends um i was going for jen gene smart oh mr crawley is going to be legion okay and then um there's the i just saw the other actress where is she jean, uh, jean smart you already just said so dan stevens aubrey plaza jean smart oh jean smart that's not the character she's playing oh i'm sorry okay to star in fx's yeah. show legion. legion um the casting would make me at least interested to check out the first episode we just talk about how cute aubrey plaza is she's just adorable right yeah this show is going to suck. <laughs> we all know that, right? Like, yeah, I don't think it's going to be anything great. This is going to be horrible. Uh, yeah. I'm willing to check out the first episode, though. Uh-huh. Sure. 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 Uh-huh. It might be... It, might, it has Aubrey Pleasant. She's a tourist. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch the first one. I don't see myself wanting or needing any more after that. Uh, Paul, will we get into the list? Why don't you finish that beer so we can uh, uh, well, yeah, yeah. pour so you after some the of list, this beer? Yeah, we can do that. So, Chris, you like comic books? Chris, what, I do like comic books. What book are you looking forward to coming out February 10th, 2016? Now, this is actually a pretty slow comic book week for me. There's nothing new coming out that I'm really looking forward to, so it's kind of one of those get back to the stuff that I normally pick up or something that I haven't been reading in a while. Uh, with Batman number 49. And this is written by Scott Snyder, art by Greg Capullo. Uh, Bruce Wayne has re-embraced his past as Batman, and uh, he's stepping back into the cave for what will be number 50 when it comes out next month, uh, his grand return. Oh, actually, no, I'm sorry. Yannick Paquette's on art. It's not Greg Capullo. (laughs) He's been out of the game for a while, working on that Wonder Woman book. So yeah, there you go. Uh, more of a reason to pick it up. Yannick Paquette on Batman by Scott Snyder. How how awesome is that? Yeah, you're going. I hope it's a creepy kind of take on the Batman. Then you know. Yeah, that'll be good. Those two guys oh. pairing up again is nice. King nice lost see. in a cave. But Paul, what are you? Uh, uh to? The, the kind of the exact opposite flavor wise, but uh, still in the DC vein and still in the Batman family kind of vein. Uh, it's written by Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti. Uh, cover art by Amanda Connor. Unfortunately, Interiors is not Amanda Connor. Oh, no. I know. It's uh, John Timms, which will be fine. This is the second uh, issue of this team up. Can you guys have a, you guys have a guess? I, I, I have a guess. What, what's your guess? 
I'm guessing it's Harley Quinn's black book or whatever. It was yes, called. yeah, okay. Harley Quinn's little black book. This is her uh, taking on. Uh, she in the first book she took on Wonder Woman. Whoa, I know. And this is her taking on taking on Green Lantern. She finds a hybrid red and black ring. Whoa, and she's like, red and black are my colors. So of course I'm going to put it on. And now she's fueled by rage and death. And it's going to sounds kind of cool. I know. Take on the Green Lantern. Uh, so hybrid rings are a thing? Now they are. I thought... In Jimmy Palmiotti world. Yeah. See, this is this is why I got out of the Green Lantern books, because the rings got a little too crazy for me. And if hybrid rings have been a thing for a while, I'll be very I happy so. I got out. I don't think so. I think it's something they're just doing for this book. Okay. That's why it's red and black. It's her colors. Mm-hmm. All right. Chris, do, have you been keeping up on your Green Lantern? Uh, I have been keeping up on Green Lantern, and no, hybrid rings aren't a thing. Okay, thank goodness. So I think what you're going to see with this book is them exploring how this became an actual ring, because that's not something that they have elsewhere. Unless it's in one of the other books that I haven't been reading, because I only buy the actual Green Lantern proper uh, title now. I haven't been reading, like, Lost Army, or they had that new one, Edge of Oblivion. Um, I haven't been keeping up on that, so unless it was introduced somewhere over there, but... As to my knowledge, no. I said it was something that just Jimmy Palmiotti came up with for the comic book because it's a black yeah. and it's a black and red ring. It's yeah. Harley, it's Harley's color, so yeah, it makes sense for the character. Mm-hmm. John, talking about things making sense for you, the oh, character. What it. book makes sense for you? Uh, yeah, John, get off of the uh, restaurant's Facebook page. <laughs> I wasn't on there. That was Paul. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to a new book from Dark Horse Comics. I'm glad they're on uh, Comixology now, yeah. so I can wait, easily... So, wait, do they actually have their new books coming out? Or yes. Is it... no. Oh, I see. I didn't actually, know that. I, last I heard was just when they had like some of their stuff popping up. They there. were shifting everything over, because their Dark Horse app, I think, is Shutting done. Down. You can't. I don't think you can buy new stuff. You can still read your stuff that you had purchased there on that. Who used to run the who used to run the back end of the Dark Horse app? Dark was, Horse. Was, it, was all, oh, wow. it was all Dark Horse. Oh. Um, and I'm looking forward to their King's Road. This is a 48-page story uh, for three ninety nine, And this catches you up on uh, the King's Road that was appearing in um, the Dark Horse Presents books. Hmm. So it was taking all those little vignette stories, putting them together to fill you in on this little story arc they're doing it this is one of three so it's a you're clip get, show you're getting you're getting the vignette and then you're getting the rest of the comic book um that's going to be starting with this number one um and this is by i think phil hogan uh peter hogan and phil winsale this is very close <laughs> yeah, yeah. um but it looks kind of interesting it's kind of about like a government agency whose job it is to take care of the nasty monsters. Um, it interests me because it's at 48 pages for three ninety nine. The Kingsman. Uh, and it, the fact that I was catching up on, I don't read um, the DC Presents. Mm-hmm. I'm always interested in it, but for the price and for you what mean Dark Horse. Can Dark Horse, I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, doesn't always interest me, and I don't want to spend that money on something that I might read and Why am I get thinking- tuned out. Why am I thinking that Dark Horse Presents is like the three co- free comic book day thing? They but, might put like their better... I, I think they call it something like that, too. I okay, know I yeah. picked up Dark Horse Presents, too, but it's been like the special $1 free 
Yeah, yeah it, it's usually like getting you into why you should be reading these. Okay. Um, it's kind of almost like a – not in newspaper form, but when – An these, anthology? Like an anthology book that – I love anthologies. Why have I never picked this I up? I don't know because you got some interesting people doing interesting work over in those mm-hmm. DC Presents. You mean Dark Horse? Dark Horse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what – yeah, what is I mean, usually on? they'll have, like, you know, good creators doing something, or then they'll have a character like Hellboy mm-hmm. or, like, I, Liz Sherman be kind of, like, the focal story. So it has that kind of, like, I oh, think, well, worst-case scenario, at least you get, you know, like an Abe Sapien. Mm-hmm. I think that's okay, where... And then everything else is extra. That's where Hellboy um, first appeared, was in the DC Presents. You mean Dark Horse? Dark Horse oh, my God. <laughs> so, episode title, DC Presents Piggybacking. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> John, are you feeling okay? I don't know. Because it might be the spear. It ball. might be the spear. It's a, a barrel aged narwhal. Narwhal, of course. I think we've had this on the show before. We have the barrel aged narwhal. Uh, narwhal. The shipyard one? No, it's a uh, Sierra Nevada. Sierra Nevada. Uh-huh. Narwhal is one of the one of the very few Sierra Nevada that isn't hop your mouth out stupid. Uh, it's it's their imperial stout. And this one is barrel aged in in what? What kind of barrel? Hmm. I don't know. I think it's bourbon. Barrel. Oh, Kentucky bourbon barrel. Kentucky bourbon. It's bourbon barrel aged yeah. on the front of the bottle, Paul. Are you saying that no, because no. you don't? It says barrel aged right there, but it doesn't say bourbon anywhere on the front. No. On the back, it says bourbon. Kentucky bourbon barrel. It uh, it says that uh, <laughs> nearby, as nearly as rare as its nautical namesake. Try the barrel-aged narwhal while you can. So, uh, what do you think, John? Is it as good of a bourbon barrel-aged stout as other bourbon barrel-aged stouts? No. No. I think it's good. Um, I think it might be a little overpriced for what you're getting, because you don't get a lot of that. Twelve ninety-nine. Oh, that's not too... Uh, that's not... Okay. That's it's either twelve ninety-nine or fourteen ninety-nine. It's an even number. Is it a four-pack? No, no, it's, no, it's a, bomber. a bomber. Oh, okay. So it's only a couple dollars more than... I know it's more than the Anderson Valley bourbon barrel aged stuff. But Sierra Nevada, they, they have you know the namesake to be able to charge a little bit more. Knowing the price is about $15 or under, you're still going to say that it's a little overpriced? Yeah. Well, not, not overpriced, but not the best bourbon aged beer you can get. You would take Anderson Valley at nine ninety nine. Oh yeah, definitely. I think time. the Wild Turkey is mm-hmm. got so much more flavor and complexity to it. This you get like you get a little bit of that vanilla. Mm-hmm. It's a for almost thirteen percent. I think it's a, this is twelve point nine percent. You get um, a very mellow beer, but if what you agency get, is coming to the door and be like, nope, it's not thirteen guys. Twelve point nine. You gotta be, you, get it right. Gotta, get it precise. You got to tell the truth. Um, if you told me this was a just a straight up Russian Imperial, I would go, "Oh wow, this is a great Russian Imperial. Really smooth. Some great flavors coming out." The fact that this is like a bourbon aged one, I don't really get the, a lot of that vanilla. I get a little like yeah. mouth drying this too. Yeah, yeah. Narwhal in a four pack is like ten dollars for a four pack, and I think it's too expensive to buy it. You know, just their standard narwhal. It's an okay stout, but there's, like John's saying, there's so many better stouts out there uh, for a decent price. Um, so that's why I'm like, okay, 
I think I enjoyed the bourbon barrel age in our wall before. You know, for the price, you know, I'm willing to try it again. Because, man, this this month, it's like everybody's coming out with a bur- bourbon a barrel age. Bourbon going on. Three philosophers from... Uh, uh, Did you pick it up? No, because you got to go to the brewery. I'm surprised you picked that up, because you like that beer just on its own. I haven't seen it anywhere. Oh, okay. I've been to Vermeer. I've been looking. Is it still at the brewery? Let's go to the brewery. It's, it yeah, we got to drive four hours. Uh, Paul, you were talking about driving farther than that yeah. for Russian yeah, Imperial. For the Russian yeah. Imperial, though. For the Russian you Imperial. You love Three Philosophers. It's your favorite Omegang beer. Where am I going to go? I just told you I'd go with you. <laughs> I know. When? I can't get time off work. Yeah, you can, Paul. Yeah, work from your phone. I should. Just act like I'm in the office. Yep, be right up to change that toner. Ah, sorry, I got hung up. We started off playing a water leak someplace. Let me talk you through you doing it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, no, this it's a good it's a good beer. If you're interested in trying it, I'd say try it. It's not a bad drinking beer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the best bourbon yeah. aged beer I've had. It, this is, but it would is, be available. It'll this, be out. This is not the worst. This is the middle of the road. Middle of the road, right? Beer. You get this because it's one available at your area. But how because long? it's there in Nevada. It's there in Nevada, everywhere. but it's yeah, it's going to be everywhere. You can yeah, you're right for a limited time. Yes. And if you've been interested in trying out maybe your first bourbon barrel age and you haven't been able to find it because you know whatever store you're at doesn't carry them, you know because they're a very specialty limited release kind of thing. I think you'll have much better luck finding this than anything else. You are correct. For your very first bourbon barrel aged beer, you could do worse. Yeah. You could do better. Mm -hmm. But if you don't like this, you probably wouldn't like a bourbon barrel aged beer. Right? Yeah. I I, I would agree. Okay. And And for the price, if you're someone who's looking to age something or do that, I would say for the price, you could get two of these put the one in your cellar or try to cellar it and have a frame of reference to know what a new one, a fresh one, and, a, and an aged one tastes like. Yeah, I think that's actually a good price point to start souring stuff, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you might not want to put down $20 for a bottle that you're not going to be sure how it turns out, but mm-hmm. I think anywhere from, like, 10 to 13 like, that's a good buy-in price to, like, sit on something. And this is definitely made for cellaring. It's a, a cork with, uh, you know, the champagne top champagne top um so it's definitely something that you could age i could see this beer being really Mm -hmm. good in a year or two yeah um because i think that that heavy notes uh of bourbon right up front are going to mellow out a little bit and i think some of that stout that's it's just covered all the stout is just covered the norwal is a really big deep dark stout Mm mm-hmm um, and I think that actually the like the bourbon mellows the beer out a bit. Um, so I think it's just because you're getting hit so hard with that bourbon up front that you're now on the back end. You know you're hardly getting any of the, that it, it's second fiddle. Not so much that it's mellow. It's just second fiddle. It's but just piggybacking. It's piggybacking. Uh, uh, no, it's definitely something that I'd say. It's it's worth a check out if you're someone who hasn't tried or is not looking to spend a lot of money on yeah. barrel age stuff because the barrel age stuff can run you thirty bucks. 
Yeah. There's that 50-50 series out now that I was like, ooh, these look interesting. Because one's peach, one's, like, they're all different types of flavors. Lavender. Oh, from uh, Stone? Yeah. No, no. Uh, I don't know who does it. But it's called, like, 50-50 Stout and Stouts. And they're all bourbon barrel aged. They have them at Premiere, and it's just, like, a whole shelf. And it's, like, all different flavors. Like, they got the wax tops. So, Chris, he would enjoy playing with those wax tops. (laughs) Thank you. I I like to play with my beer tops. Uh, And they're all different colors, and they're all different flavors. You know, so they're barrel aged and then with a different flavor for each bottle. And there's, like, seven or eight of them out right now. But they're all, like, 30 bucks a piece. And I'm like, ugh. I would do it, but thirty bucks. Quite See, a there's bit of money. beers that I want to pick up at Total Wine, and it's the same thing. Like they sound good, mm-hmm. but I think the one of them was like twenty five dollars for the bomber, and I'm like, it's that's a lot to put into a beer that I don't know how it's going to be. Like yeah. if it was something that I was like one hundred percent sure of, like because yeah, could, you know, you could buy two beers that you're one hundred percent sure of at that price point. You know? Even um, they had some stuff from the brewery when I went last week. Um, they had the mash. And I can't remember what the other two oh, were. Oh, mash! And like I had it in my hand, and I forget how much it was for the bottle. And I put it back because I was like, I can get two other bottles that I want to age. And that's actually I picked up the uh, Boulevard Tart Cherry Stout that I had a couple weeks ago, and then I picked up a bottle of Creme Brulee to age because I was like, hey, here's two beers that. I know I like just on their own, and I have something to look forward to. So I don't know. Um, when I go to the line, if they sell the mash, I might get it. Just I'm talking myself into beers today. You should. You got to do some cleaning. <laughs> get, get the get the mash. Get the. Uh, you got to clean. Uh, you got to take a nap. The left hand. <laughs> there you go. Got to go to a theme park at some point today. I still have to edit uh, the last episode of Parks and Rec that uh, Jen and I recorded like last week. I've been meaning to put that up, and I've been lazy. Mm. Well, you know, you got you got a lot of work to do, and the beer will help you through it. There we go. Or just completely derail me, and I won't do anything. Mm. But you know what we got to do now? Dramatic reading. And now, a dramatic reading from Obi-Wan and Anakin, number two, page 16, panel three. I will. I'll stay here as long as it takes. I know you will, Anakin. You are incredibly dedicated, but you will master this skill another day. Right now, you have an appointment, and I think it would be inadvisable for you to arrive late. (laughs) That was a dramatic reading from Obi-Wan and Anakin, number two, page 16, panel three. I love that Anakin has a dentist appointment that Obi-Wan is just very adamant about him making. Um, uh, I like that this book is basically uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin doing like Jedi Council grunt work, but it's so much more interesting than it was Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan doing it in Episode 1. Like, this is what the Jedi do, I guess, but it's so much better when George Lucas isn't handling it. Mm. You know what's really good? Is our top DC stories of all time? I just want the. It's, oh, okay. it's I'm sorry. It's fifty fifty brewing. Oh, okay. uh, the line is called Eclipse, and yes. like, um, it's an imperial stout aged in bourbon barrels for a minimum of one hundred and eighty days. Um, it's a co- a coffee 
is in the lavender bottle. There's a cognac. Um, there's a, a single malt scotch. There's a Grand Cru. Um, Woodward Woodward Reserve, which is a bourbon. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a vanilla, a High West rye, and a High West bourbon. Um, and they're all like 11.9%, which makes me think that we should be buying these, Paul. Yeah, but they're all... Thirty dollars. Yeah, it's going back to that. <laughs> and there's six six a piece. Thirty dollars. You you do the math because we've been drinking. That's one hundred and eighty dollars. Yes. I'm I'm slightly okay with that. <laughs> I think we pick out the ones we want the most. All right. I'll, I'll next time I'm at work. Work. I'll, I'll go by and I'll te- I'll Facebook message which ones I picked up. I'll pick up half of the line if you pick up the other half of the line. I think we just pick up like you pick up one, I pick up one. Yeah, I was gonna say you got you pick up one each. Each if that, yeah, and then, then we like, like it. it, and then we keep going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that makes more sense. Harry Belafonte time. <laughs> we jump in the line. Yeah, for buddy in time. Depending on what they have and what we want. Yeah, and I'll okay. send you the which you. lets you know what the colors <laughs> what the colors mean. Yeah, I, I think you start off with the ones that you're most intrigued by, like <laughs> the ones that you. It's an easier sell for you, like the yeah. stout or the vanilla. The the Woodford is the one that jumped out at me because Woodford, yeah, that's bourbon is a good bourbon. Good bourbon. Good bourbon. The twelve year old uh, Scotch. Ooh. But you know what else is good? DC stories that are good. <laughs> uh, I hate that we're finishing this up only for the fact that I really have to start racking my brain about the Marvel one that we're gonna do. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, this is something that, as you listen to the previous one, um, this is something that Paul had said in a show that caught my attention and said, hey, we haven't done this. Uh, so we all got together, we put out our, what would be our top ten, and then de- devised a list of issues, um, or issues, uh, devised a list that were our top 10 and this is our top 10 story arc so it's not top 10 characters not top 10 books but just those snapshots of if you want to read like the best you know superman arc or best wonder woman arc go for this one there, there's some arcs that we we picked that are really long like see our last list for or the wonder woman arc it was 24 issues long and but it's they're and all good the top five are longer ones as well uh almost kind of runs by certain writers yeah uh and our getting right into it uh with our number five is something that chris or uh i'm sorry paul and i both felt Mm -hmm. was something that needed to be here and this is james robinson's starman yep uh this was talking about long issues this is over 60 issues uh collected in Four or five omnibi. Six. Six oh six omnibi collected in over ten trades. How many trades did I give you over that? A lot. Yeah. Uh, this was uh, coming out of the zero hour issues with a number zero uh, from the 1990s at DC. And this follows a, a young, uh, young son of a golden age hero taking on the mantle reluctantly because his brother that was gun ho about becoming Starman, the, David dies. His older brother who picked up the mantle of his mm-hmm. father is killed 
and the rest of his family is then hunted down by the family of the mist mm-hmm. one of the father who was the original starman's arch nemesis um, and it really makes him step up and really be that reluctant hero. And it was one of mm-hmm. that was one of the reasons why you kind of fell in love with this character yeah. is he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't yeah. want to be doing this, but he kind of goes on this ride. And every time something big kind of happens to him, mm-hmm. he's not ready for it. Yeah. He's kind of walking away from being a superhero but he has these moments where he goes no i need to take this time to stop this i need Mm -hmm. to do this it's especially in the beginning uh other than that what really hooks me in it's it's a father it's a father and son like reuniting it's that son realizing that the hero worship that he had as a kid was always his dad and it wasn't because his dad was a superhero it was just that he was his father, you know? And for whatever reason, that teenage rebellious streak, you know, made him, like, shun that. And, and it's that reconnection with <coughs> that part of your own childhood and your, that part of your own self uh, where, you know, you have that relationship. And it's that seeking of approval and hating that you're seeking that approval from your father and wanting to do, you know, find your own path in life which I find really interesting, and that's what I really enjoy. And it is that every man coming to become a superhero. And he's suddenly out in space, and he's like, I can't believe I'm here. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's that it's that kind of every man kind of take on the superhero that is really enjoyable, and that family generational, you know, story that's happening not only on the superhero side, uh, but as we also mentioned, on the villain side, the mist. You know, uh, his daughter is just shit crazy, that shit crazy, <laughs> and, and she she's bad shit crazy because her father was crazy and put her through all this sort sort of torment and everything else, and uh, and then just the older the uh, annuals that they have throughout this whole series with uh, Jack, the main character Jack Knight, meeting with David who passed away for whatever reason, like on Halloween or once a year. Yeah, once a year. That he he can he rises his ghost basically visits Jack, and they have this reconnection of these two brothers. It's this, it's the black sheep coming back and like reconnecting with his family, and that's that's the part of the story I really enjoy. And then by the end of it, it's just it's heartbreaking, you know, with him gaining a son, him passing on the mantle to somebody that isn't related to him but has carried on the torch in her own right, uh, which I find really, you know, just really emotional and really moving. Uh, yeah. All those are the key factors for why this book is here. And also, it's the character who becomes a superhero, but he doesn't, he wears a uniform, you know, he wears a suit, but it's a suit of... His own design. It's No, but it's also that, uh, I'm going to wear this leather coat because I'm re- really bad at landing, and it gets cold when I fly up above... I'm going to have these goggles because they help me see at night and through the wind. Mm-hmm. It was really that thing that's saying, these are the reasons why he's wearing this suit. Mm-hmm. And it's not like a you know spandex costume suit or what his father wore. Mm-hmm. But it is just that I'm wearing this because I'm, I get freaking cold when I'm flying. And also if I don't land right and I fall, <laughs> at least it'll, this leather will the protect le- my skin. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, you know, why am I going to wear these goggles? Where am I? Why am I going to wear this? Because when I shoot out this the cosmic blast from my ray, it's hard to see, and these goggles help you know knock some of that light down. So it's all real. It's a real world, quote unquote, uh, a take on this superhero story on a cosmic superhero story too. Starman from the nineties, mm-hmm. and, and it 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 is a timeless feeling. Mm-hmm. book. I mean, yes, it has some dated references in it, um, but it's a book that just feels timeless. You can read this at any point. I read this, what, like four or five years ago mm-hmm. was the first time I read it. You know, three years before that was when you started reading it. Like, it definitely feels timeless. It's yeah. just a great story, and that's why I felt it needed to be here. If you guys ever, if any of you listeners have ever watched High Fidelity and really like John Cusack's character... In high fidelity, it's basically that character becoming a superhero. See, you just sold me on Starman it's, with that because I've not, I've honestly never read this book. Um, I've never not wanted to read it. It's just something that I haven't picked up yet, as mm-hmm. kind of happens with comic books sometimes. And and it's like Chris, our, Paul has it in hardback omnibuy that he's he bought some of them himself. Chris and mm-hmm. I uh, helped finish off that collection for uh, Christmas and birthday. And Paul was kind enough to give me all of his trades. Trades. But like they're the trades are beaten up and old and out of print. <laughs> yeah. Which I'd be I'd be very willing to give to you Chris, but they are like that first volume is like almost falling apart. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. Because and, this I actually bought the one trade off of Don from Don's Tom Comics fame. Like because it was out of print and he's like I've read it so much. You, you, I'll, I'll sell it to you because you're buying them all. And that he's like, it's the only. I can't get any other ones in, so I bought his copy. I've reread that first volume, even though it's falling apart like mm-hmm. four or five times. because yeah. I always go, I need to start this again, and then mm-hmm. I start right there. It, it is one of those series where once every two to three years, I just restart. Uh, okay. One of one of my honorable mentions for this list. Uh, one of my trades is like that because I've just gone back to it so many times out of everything um, that it's just pages are starting to fall out. That's how you know you love a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're sworn. Yeah, I had a uh, back in the day, the first issue of uh, of Marvel Knights 4. I had uh, the writer and also the artist. Oh, why can't I think of his name? I love him. Uh, McNiven. Steve McNiven. Steve McNiven sign and McNiven looks at it and he's like, Man, this is like sun bleached and like kinda of falling <laughs> apart. And I'm like, Yeah, I'm sorry, I just I read it quite a bit. And he's like, No, no, I love seeing this. But <laughs> you know, because at least then I know it's well read. Sometimes, you know, when you, you go to sign books, you know people are taking it out of plastic and I'm not even sure if they even looked at it ever once. Yeah. Like this they, this issue I feel better about signing because it is well loved. Well read and well loved, I think you put it as. So, granted, I didn't take the best care of it since you know it was kind of falling apart. But how how do you read a book and keep it pristine? I don't I, I don't understand. There's really no way to. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that comes from us being more comic book readers than the comic book collectors. Mm-hmm. Uh, the collecting was basically secondary to the fact that we actually just like reading these books and mm-hmm. we happen to just keep them afterwards. Yeah. Is your wife sanding? No, she's yeah. uh, blending something. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't tell what that noise was. 
I, I could hear it over here. I didn't know it was something outside right. or what. I thought nope. we, we should at least make reference to the grinding noise. <laughs> yeah, I, I think she's 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 food processing she's, something. She's juicing. Yeah, she's juicing. <laughs> Chris, uh, this next book, number four. Uh, this is a horror book in my eyes. That I I I, I understand the prestige of it. I understand it launched a whole new, basically helped launch a whole new line for DC. Um, but this is really your book. This, uh, yeah, this is my book. This is something that I've been championing since I got back into comics. It's something that I go back to and reread constantly as well, much like uh, you guys do with Starman. And this is actually Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Uh, and when I was thinking about this, Sandman is one of my favorite books of all time, but. I needed to present something just for like my favorite arc of it. And for that, I actually went to the penultimate chapter. Uh, if you were to go buy the trade paperback of this, this would be volume number nine. And this is the kindly ones. Mm. Um, and this is basically the lost, uh, of Sandman. Cause throughout the entire series, you see dream, uh, Morpheus of the endless kind of weaving his path through people's lives and this is where all those threads really start to come together, and you just see all of his interactions really come back to kind of haunt him. And one of the things that I've always loved about Sandman is, in an interview, uh, I don't even remember where or when it was, someone asked Neil Gaiman, like, how would you sum up Sandman in one sentence or less to sell to someone? And he just basically, without a beat, just said, dream of the endless learns that in life you have to either adapt or die, and he makes his choice. Hmm. And I just think that's such an amazing way to sell this book without even getting into like the nitty-gritty of like, oh, he's you know this ageless member of this pantheon of beyond gods that rules over dream. Like, it, it's so simple and so human the way he sells it. And for his crazy and fantastical and horrific as this book can be that's ultimately what the series comes down to and just the choices that we make or he makes even having consequences um and sometimes you can't outrun those and it's not my like favorite drawn book i think there's better like single issues um this wouldn't be the one that I would hand off to someone just to like be like, oh, here, check out Sandman. But ultimately, I think this is probably one of the best arcs because everything that you've seen like comes back. And that's what I loved about Lost. That's what I loved about even like Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, where all those little seeds that are sown mm-hmm. have some sort of presence. Like everything has weight and matters. And I think no other book in the Sandman library actually does it as well as this one. Uh, and this is one of those books that I haven't finished the the series. I read probably more than half of it before I just kind of was... I think I read it in like just a bulk sitting, too. It wasn't right. taking time. And that's the thing. like Sandman, if you've read it or if you haven't read it, you, you can look at those books and tell. It's dense. Like It's not... Like a sit down, feel good, like popcorn reading. Like this is something. When you sit down and read it, you are you're piling it on. Yeah, I think I read like five or six volumes, like almost in a row, and I needed to take a break. And then I had taken so much of a break that I felt like I needed to go back and reread it. And then I was just like, I 
I don't know if I can do that. Like, yeah. I, I need to schedule actual, like, time, like, hey, this month I'm going to read this. Next month I'll read this. Uh, but even then, I, it feels like I'd be missing something with the book, the series. Um, but this is one that Chris said we could put back on the mm-hmm. list. And I said, no, I think this needs, this yeah. is a top five book. This is something that it's epic and it's, you know, fantasy brought to some weird kind of, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say head, but like it's 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 taking like everything that was ever fantasy and then giving it almost like a purpose and giving it a timeline and giving it um, its texture. place in yeah and and yeah I was like no this is something that I agree that is I, I haven't read that volume that Chris is talking about but what I've read of the series. It is something that is bigger than almost yeah. anything that's ever been done in comic books. I know that you know DC often points to the Alan Moore Swamp Thing as launching the Vertigo line, but it's Sandman basically influenced what the Vertigo line is was going to be throughout the time period that Sandman was coming out. Like it takes, it's basically what is Vertigo? It's Sandman. You know, it's that's that's what it was during the. Uh, the 90s through the aughts, you know, mid-aughts, and then, you know, they branch out to other things, uh, Vertigo does, but, man, you look at Sandman and you get the flavor, you get the texture of what the Vertigo line is all about. And it it started with DC Comics, you know. And I would even go, like, a little bit further than that, and as much as it created that imprint and that flavor, like, I think we wouldn't have had publishers like idw or like dark horse if we didn't have something like sandman okay yeah i could see that yeah i would agree (laughs) you definitely especially that horror vibe but the first like four to five uh trades that are out like you you can tell like oh that psychological horror kind of stuff of you know they uh desmond you know taking over the diner like you, you can see that kind of that kind of uh, thing, like influencing Brad Templeton and Forty Days a Night, like just the artwork, just the look, the feel of everything, just how creepy everything is, and and allows it, it pe- does. I don't want to say it gets lighter, but not every issue gets, is that dark and horrific. Like it gets more mystic. It, it gets more mystical. There is some lighter, more whimsical stuff. Um, a Midsummer Night's Dream actually. It's like a single issue, but it won like the Shakespeare World like Fantasy Award for literature. Is that the one with the cats? No, no that um, that's the Dream of Cats. This oh. is the one where it's actually the traveling theater troupe okay. performing A Midsummer Night's Dream for the actual like King and Queen of the Fairies. Hmm. Um, and it's it's wonderful. I mean, Sandman written by Neil Gaiman, art by Charles Vest. It won the World Fantasy Award, and after it won, like the committee behind, like the awards, changed the wording of like the rules and stipulations, so a comic book couldn't win again. Like they they looked down on the fact that this comic book won their award, and they're like, nope, we're not letting that happen again. Um, but it, it was I, I basically the John Scott of the of the uh, of the awards that year. So. Um, Sorry, I know John and I know producer Scott, but I don't know who John. Yeah, I didn't get that reference either. It's the NHL uh, All Star Game this year. <laughs> Why would we know <laughs> that? 
we got to say, like fans, vote on it. And John Scott is just a uh, he, he, he's known as being an enforcer, and it's basically like Rob Ray. You guys know who Rob okay, Ray is, yeah. yeah. It was it we're would from be, Buffalo, yeah. So it would basically be like if Rob Ray won the All Star vote for the All Star the NHL All Star game. But then John Scott went out and scored two goals during the All Star game. And wow! He won the MVP for the All Star game. Uh, John Scott's awesome, really bringing it. I remember it. when Rob Ray scored a goal and everyone like lost their shit. <laughs> uh, the score he scored like four goals during his career here in Buffalo. So which one are you talking about, sir? The one uh, that got one that hit was like twenty five percent of them. <laughs> you mean the one that went off his butt? Or because somebody shot it and it hit his butt first and then went in. I was just punching I, I, this dude in the face and the puck hit my skate and it went in. I got the goal. I'm cool. Yeah. Uh, hockey talk. Uh, I've met Rob Ray like a couple times. Like he actually was friendly with my mom because she was part of one of the banks that she worked with. Mm-hmm. And I met him right after I, I broke up with Lisa. And my mom was my mom goes to him like he just broke up with his longtime girlfriend. He had to move back home. And he, like, shakes my hand. He's like, don't worry, kid, it happens. And he kind of gives me, like, a punch in the arm. He's like, I didn't get married till I was, like, 38. <laughs> I was like, okay, shut up, mom. <laughs> Why was that even... Like, it wasn't even, like, provoked. You just said that to him. I kind of hate you right now because you get to meet Rob Ray. And, like, you hate that fact that you met Rob Ray. Where... I spent an afternoon with him. Just him and my mom. Could punch Jesus? Could shove Jesus? <laughs> yeah. Upper Citizens Brigade reference, sorry. <laughs> so. Uh, John, did you see that video? It's lost on is, you. This is complete, like, crap and doesn't need to be on the podcast. But did you see that video that I posted? Uh. Where it was, um, what if movies ended after people said like, the title line? I saw it. I didn't get a chance to to watch it because I thought it was just because uh, you made the reference of oh, I'm sick of all these Star Wars. So I thought it was just that skit. No, it's actually like someone took like I think it's like four or five movies and then just edited the credits in after someone in the movie says the title line. Oh, I gotta and, watch uh, it. It's so short and stupid, and but it made me happy <laughs> because I love when movies say the titular line. I just got to get out of Africa. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. So comic books, Sandman. You I thought like Millennium it. Falcon was a bird. Wait, wait a second. If they end after the titular line, the Bill Paxton speech from Independence Day would just end with, today is our oh, Independence like, Day. And he would miss the whole speech. Well, here's the thing. The very first one that they do is Jurassic Park. And it's when John Hamm's like, welcoming <laughs> them to the island. He's like, welcome, welcome to, to Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. And then it's like cuts and then like... <laughs> do, 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 uh, do, I like do. when we reference uh, the titular line in our own Christmas specials. <laughs> titular line! Uh, all right, let's get to number three, which number is three. It, which is huge for DC Comics nowadays and for the longest time, because their titular line was fifty-two, and when they did their reboot, uh, the new DCU, they they made sure that they had fifty-two issues to release as all new number ones. Uh, I don't think there's a titular line that's more influenced the DC comic book universe than fifty-two. <laughs> Uh, and also something that just cemented that DC was at, at the time in the mid two thousands. This mm-hmm. book came out in two thousand six. Uh, cemented that DC was a force to be reckoned with. And they brought star power. This is one of those things that we consider. I mean, one of the greatest 
stories ever told. Mm-hmm. This is a a walkthrough of what the DC universe was and should be uh, during a time when Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman all were away for one whole year. And this is a look at what happens to the DC universe during that 52, uh, titular line, week period. Uh, and this follows, uh, yeah, Hawkman, Hawkgirl, you got uh, Elastic... Uh, Elongated man. Elongated man. The you question. The question. Animal Mr. man. Gold. Animal man. Adam Strange. A whole steel. All all these sea level characters just walking through the DC universe. You know, basically t- stepping up and taking care of things while the Trinity is gone. It written by. Jeff Johns, Grant Morrison, Greg Rucka, and Mark Wade. Keith Giffen. With, with Keith Giffen doing the interior, the sketch work of the interiors and the rotating cast of uh, artists. This is... He's still credited as a writer for this. Uh, he, well, he probably had to storyboard a lot of it out, so... Um, oh, Keith Giffen, yeah. Um, J.G. Jones on uh, a lot... All the covers, covers. I think. All the covers. And this is just one of those works where you you hear those and it's going to be released weekly. And they were selling it back, uh, what's his name, Wayne? Last name Wayne. Bob Wayne? Bob Wayne. Bob Wayne was like pitching it during conventions. He's like, hey, we got eight issues in the bucket right now. You know, $2.99 or $2.50 was the price point at that point for these issues. Hey, it's worth your price of admission just to see the train wreck that might happen. Like it's supposed to be, it's going to be released weekly, and we don't know where it's going to go from here. None of the editors knew. We doubt that the writers really knew where it had to end up. But you know, for two fifty per per issue, it was one of the best comic book events ever put on. Uh, and I mean, we were there week to week. This is a series that I let. Um, I put all. <clears throat> I put my new money down. <laughs> like hearing about this, I'm like, "Hey, Don from Don the Comic, the comic Book Shop." We offer. We went to offered the fact that you could buy every issue at one lump sum right in the beginning. No, I asked him, and he's like, "All right, I'll charge you this much for all of them right up front." And I'm like, "Sounds good, <laughs> done." <laughs> I thought it was something he was offering. No, no. No, he, like, Paul, Paul went in and was like, I want to do this. <laughs> I, how much would it cost if I paid you right now for all 52 issues of the series? He's like, sounds good. Let me get a calculator. <laughs> I'm like, all right, cool. So I ended up getting like 10 issues for free, basically, like because he gave it to me at a discount because I paid for it up front. He gave me a couple that cost, but which is great. It's great. Uh, this is um, um, this is something that I let a friend at work borrow. Like at halfway through the series, I started giving him the issues, and I think like I had let an issue get ruined. Mm-hmm. Um, it got like I had put it in my trunk because it was in my back seat, right. and I was driving people around, and like I think a snowbrush got on it like something happened it got it got ruined it was wrecked Ugh. it was the one where um like i think it was the one where firestorm is killed in it and uh i was letting this friend borrow it and i had a couple issues that were missing and he came up to me he was like you're missing some issues and i was like oh yeah i, I they got ruined 
And like two days, he punched you in the junk. Two days later, he comes up and he hands me those issues. He's like, I bought them. I'm like, well, you're you're borrowing 52 issues of this series from me. All right, you had to borrow, you had to buy two of them. You know, screw you, pal. But it was one of those things that he couldn't just skip that issue. Yeah. He had to go out and find it to buy it because it is such an amazing story and it captures these characters that you didn't realize you should be loving and wanting mm-hmm. in your series. Yeah, it shows the depth of the DC universe, of the C-level characters, as viable, as enjoyable. And I, I think it's something that you need to take and give to the what DC's trying to do now and say, this is what you guys did the best. Mm-hmm. Capitalize on that, because yeah. I really feel like they're not... I don't think, aside from Batman and Batman, Robin, Eternal... Mm-hmm there is a DC book that I'm buying. I'm not even buying those. I'm reading right. Paul's and I'm reading Chris's. Because they went away from their history. They went... Green Arrow is a wolfman. What? Green Arrow's wolfman right now. He is... <laughs> I haven't read wolfman. Green Arrow in forever. I have no idea what you mean. He's wolfman, Paul. Paul, you know what a wolfman is? That's Green Arrow now. Pause right there. You left to go to the bathroom. I... So I missed a lot by not keeping up on Green Arrow. I guess. <laughs> I See, that's know. the kind of story that I don't know why they do that. I don't know either. And it's something that you have something that they spent all this work on to do a weekly book and all the time and effort that goes into it. And then you have a monthly book where it's, I we don't know what to do. Let's make him a werewolf. Hmm. You know, like, and it, and I feel like that's a, it's almost through the board with DC Comics right now. Is there's no character development or no care for these characters, and at least I haven't been able to find it, and I haven't been able to say this is what I want to read. I think the closest thing you're getting is the Harley Quinn books, and those aren't something that I'm actively looking for and want out of my DC books. I think they're probably doing a great job. They're they got, fun and they they're got, wacky. They don't they don't play with continuity at all. They're not really, really looking at what the DC universe is. It's just like the playing with the concepts of the DC universe. And I think that's probably the best thing you're getting out of DC right now, aside from the Batman stuff and Batgirl, and, maybe Black Canary. Yeah, Batgirl's maybe. still good. Yeah, I've been reading those. I should keep up on Batgirl and Black Canary. Those seems like. Those seem like the books that I would enjoy now. I think so too, but I'm still like, I like, said, like a couple weeks ago. Like I went through, and I bought all the Batgirl issues that I had missed since mm-hmm. the uh, like the relaunch of it. Um, I haven't picked up Black Canary yet. But I want to. It's on my list to buy mm-hmm. when I start. Gotham, what is it? Gotham Academy. I want to pick up in trades as well. I feel like I'm. I just feel like I'm so down on DC because it's gotten so far away from what yeah. I think it what, was. What DC was was legacy. It was the C-list heroes that were in the background. It was a rich tapestry of characters and events that made that universe what it was. And when you eliminated all that, you lost that those through lines, those threads that tied everything together. Like the whole reason why the Teen Titans are the Teen Titans, like without legacy, what are the Teen Titans? You know, without a history, what are they? 
And, and I mean, that's something that it's rumored that they're going to be getting back to with the upcoming rebirth that they've been teasing. So mm-hmm. I think DC realizes that they have lost out on that um, and want to get back to that because that's what really set them apart from everything else. Like they weren't the new kids on the block. They had that legacy. Mm-hmm. And they were able, you know, look at what they did, you know, as a company. They tied in timely comics and, you know, with the Miss, Miss, uh, oh my goodness, Captain Marvel. Not Mr. Marvel, but Captain Marvel, and all these other different character uh, characters and and universes. And when they got out, bought out Red Circle, they didn't do that. You know, they and when they bought out Milestone, they kind of didn't do that. It's they really do need to go look back at what they did with Fifty Two, and really give us a rebirth from that kind of vantage point. Not like, oh, we need to make us hip and. Sp- and streamlined so our movies make sense, but your movies aren't coming out, so what's the point? And, you know, I'm not going to tell this new Dr. Fate story all in text form. Mm-hmm. And I know, Chris, like, you appreciated it, but I, I didn't appreciate it for that kind of character. And it just seemed like, to me, it was trying to be too hip for it. Uh, but, yeah, but, uh, 52, I think, is ultimately one of the greatest stories they've done. Because it's a multitude of stories. Yeah. And everything just tied in perfectly. Even, like, they had one little spinoff with World War Three, mm-hmm. which was, uh, I think it could have been a little bit better. Yeah, I think that's when they kind of got away from them at that point. Yeah. Um, well, because that seemed like, ooh, that happens during this time. Uh, we're, we're leading up to it. It's going to happen. And then they, like, they made a miniseries off the miniseries. Yeah. But, so, yeah. And they didn't, like, really... A hat on a hat. They didn't fucking bring it with World mm-hmm. War III, because it should have been so epic. Yeah, yeah. It should have been its own whole thing, but yeah. they couldn't do it because it was a spinoff of a spinoff. Yeah, they couldn't tie it into those 52 yeah. issues. Yeah. They had to squeeze it out to the side. They made it uh, its own four-part miniseries, <clears throat> right? Was it four-part? Yeah, or three, part? Yeah, yeah, three or four. Uh, but that'll take us to our number two. But, come on, 52... Best value for four pounds, four and a half pounds worth of comic books. <laughs> yes. If you were uh, buying by pound. And this is one that we, I think we were talking that it should be number one, but the other thing, the, the number one and number two kind of, in our discussion, pushed it back. Mm-hmm. And I think all three of these could be, our top three could be changed. My, yeah. my number one was 52. And... I think I, I'm. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that without looking at your lists. Your lids. Mine was not in order. Oh, yours wasn't in order no, because I, uh, on top of your list was was our uh, number. What ended up being our number one, and Chris, what ended I up. I think being, my number one is our number two. Uh, your number one is actually your number two was our number two. Okay. Uh, it's been a while since we compiled the list. So I didn't remember. Your number one was. Uh, our number six, I think. But anyways, we can we can talk about that later. Our number two off the show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, go ahead. Is is Scott Snyder's and uh, Greg Capullo's run on Batman? The the only one of the only good things to come out of the new Fifty Two, other than Wonder Woman. <laughs> and this is something that he was already bringing with good. Batman, with Detective Comics, uh, and with if you're Jock. Gonna- he was doing it with Jock, and then with the new 52, Greg Capullo came on, and our Greg Capullo known best for his Spawn work. So it was a coup 
to get him on a mainstream DC book. And, I mean, if you're going to try to narrow it down to a, a specific point with these books, mm-hmm. I mean, Court of Owls was something that just captured all of our attention. And that starts at number one. And that starts at number one. But even the fact that, like, not just us as a podcast, but us as just friends who are talking about it, when he brought back the Joker... And we did a science experiment to find out if a card would stick to a submarine traveling at some type of speed. Yeah. I mean, I don't think at any other point in our lives, just as comic book people, that just we've talking, done Mythbusters. That, that we've talked about a book that we've done like a Mythbusters about it. Yeah, like that's something that just captured us. And while we were doing it, we should like we should talk about this for the podcast. Sorry, if my voice cracked a little bit there. Um, but it was something like anytime. A new arc started. We said, "How can he outtop himself?" Mm-hmm. And then we said, "Okay, that's how he does it." And we're talking about from. I mean, if you're really going to narrow it, break it down, on what was the most epic parts of his story, it's from number one, and then going to the end of Endgame. Yeah, because that is the end of his Batman run. Um, but yeah, I mean, Court of Owls was so amazing and we were still buying we it's were still 2016 buying. and this book has been coming out since 2011 Jesus really yeah man uh, but in that court of the owls when and as I'm, I'm so glad we were reading issues mm-hmm. and not doing um, digital copies because that one issue when you have to rotate the book oh when he's yeah, in the when, maze uh, Batman's actually in like the labyrinth oh it was the most amazing thing and and I hadn't read it yet, and you guys were kind of talking about it. And then I started reading it, and I'm just turning the book as I'm reading it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's so disorienting. Which like page I'm, do I need to turn now? I'm going down this rabbit hole. And it was something that I said, I've, I've, you, you've never seen anything like that in <laughs> Karate chops. I haven't karate chopped a bottle in years. Uh, you did it, like, last episode. No, that was Paul. Yep. Uh, no, that was you. No, it wasn't me. I, I've been very good about always not, blame John. Always not. Always it. blame John. Always oh, blame John. But I haven't done it in a long time. ABJ, that's our rule. Always blame John. It's <laughs> a uh, topic. I, I completely love this Batman run. And when we like submitted our initial list, Paul, you had asked if uh, like why I hadn't put on something like um, Nightwing or some of the other mm-hmm. Batman stuff. It's like because this has everything that I love about Batman in one spot. Like it brings in like the rest of the ancillary characters in like the night of the owls. Yeah. When you actually have the court make, making its a uh, power play. When you realize it, that Dick Grayson was tapped to be an owl himself. Uh. Like it, it sells everything that you like from like that early 2000, late nineties mm-hmm. Batman, like the crossover, the, the Batman family stuff. But it does it so well, and it's all coming from one writer. It's one creative team delivering this, and that was just amazing. And even like those issues that are like between the big story arcs, still are good. Like the one where the the grave digger is like killing people and just throwing their bodies in there, or like they had the the um, so, not sonar uh, um, doctor light. Okay. issue you know like they had these issues that were between those issues that you still went did you read that mm-hmm. wasn't that good no Greg Wafola wasn't on art but it was still really good and I think 
from the beginning, I was a little hard pressed to say it was like one of the greatest Batman runs, but not even halfway through, I could say like this is going to be one of the greatest things, you know, better than War Games, better than you know Killing Joke, yeah, Cataclysm, like all of those, like those are all great stories, but if you were to boil down Batman, this is what mm-hmm. you get, and I mean, I mean he he destroys the family. And then brings the family back in, you know, not in that series, but like in Batman Eternal, all those family characters come back together. Mm-hmm. And I think they just did one of the most amazing jobs. And I think it's going to be one of those Batman stories that should go down in history. Yeah, I, I really do. It, it, it is between, you know, you got Batman Cataclysm, you got Bruce Wayne Fugitive, you got... You, you got these great Batman works, and for this to stand up against those and to to own our hearts as much as this one does, to shine the bat signal in our chest as much as it does, it, it says something. And it, it really galvanized, galvanized us into becoming a Batman podcast for a year or two. Well, you're wearing a Batman t-shirt right now. Yeah. <laughs> Well, one, because I've been playing Arkham, like, like <laughs> almost every day. But I think the thing is, 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 is as, as long as some of those story arcs are, it almost feels like it... The, those were editorial-driven, and, and this is just creator-driven. This is an artist and a writer together, just, like, telling their vision of the story. And the fact that it's for so long. It's those two people working that long together, where, yes, you have a lot of, like, war games... Mm-hmm. You know, there was a big story arc, but was it the same artist the whole time? Was it these people's same vision? Mm-hmm. Was it as long and as, okay, we've ended that story, let's start a new one. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all these stories together that just bring everything together for this book. It's been almost 50 issues. Yeah. It's It's been a good ride, too. Like mm-hmm. As much as I haven't read the more recent stuff with Jim Gordon... As Batman, like is in Mechabat, I, I don't feel like I've been missing out because I've been seeing him in like Batgirl and like other areas. And like, while I don't mind him in that, like I, I still don't feel like I'd be reading a Batman book at that point. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And talking about what started us off as a podcast, it's definitely Jeff Johns's run on Green Lantern. Yeah, and this is going. Even though we just said Jeff Johns like Green Lantern, this is going back to even. Like the uh, Green Lantern Rebirth when he brought Hal Jordan back. Well, I, I count that as part of his run, you know, Green yeah, Lantern. Like this Rebirth. isn't like a Green Lantern number one through like mm-hmm. sixty or whatever issue you want to like call the wrapping up point. Like this is the complete rebuilding and relighting of the torch because we had Green Lantern Rebirth and then after that we had the Green Lantern Core uh, recharge uh, from Pete Tomasi coming out and like. As much as we're giving this to Jeff Johns, I feel like that Tomasi stuff is really important, too, because oh, yeah. this was the two of them building up a huge corner of the DC universe in that post-Infinite like Crisis, like, New Earth. Yeah, I, think, this, I forget the thing they called it that. Yeah, New Earth. Uh, uh, this, is, this is the cosmic universe. What the cosmic universe was for DC Comics, it was everything that Jeff Johns and Peter Tomasi made in Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps. And Rebirth means something in these teaser images that they're putting out now because of this book of Jeff Johns 
and Ethan Van Skyver back in 2004. And one of the reasons why I said this should be number one is mm-hmm. because all of us came down. Paul said Green Lantern Rebirth mm-hmm. is one of the best stories. Chris said um, Blackest Night. I said Sinestro Core War. Right, yeah. And it was one of those things that was like, well, we everything's great about it, but we had to try to pick that one part. Well, and each, each of those books tied into each other. Like, they're, they they weaved in, and during Rebirth, they weaved in what, uh, uh, not Phalanx, uh, Parallax. Parallaxes during Rebirth to lead us into Sinestro Core War. And Sinestro Core War, they hint at the other lights. You know, it's not just fear and, and uh, willpower. And then we get uh, Blackest Night, you know, coming out of that. So and and one of the so other between the three of us, we basically picked like four years worth of <laughs> Green Lantern books. And that's why I said this really should be number one. Mm-hmm. And and I was even like, you know, that prelude, all those issues that were there, that prelude to Blackest Night, were probably some of my absolute favorite mm-hmm. stories. When you're introducing the Orange Core. The blue core. All when you're introducing all those different factions, it was probably my f- most favorite, happiest time as a Green Lantern reader because it was mm-hmm. just so awesome. And when Hal's wearing a blue and uh, green ring, mm-hmm. and he's just like, I just feel it revving in my hand mm-hmm. because of this blue ring. Or when he's wearing the orange ring, and he's like, You want a cheeseburger? You want a hundred cheeseburgers. Like, all that stuff was just like, oh my god, I love every moment of this. And it was still the fact that I loved every minute that was happening from Rebirth. Why do you have to mention cheeseburgers right now? Because now (laughs) I want a cheeseburger. Because we've been drinking. I can take you to Colvin Inn. Uh, There was an excitement coming out of the Green Lantern corner of the DC Universe that I never really felt before when I was reading comic books because there was an excitement to see what was happening and that cliffhanger at the end of every like issue where they were teasing like the next color or the next ring yeah. it it got me so amped up to be a Green Lantern fan again not just because like I always thought he was a cool character or like a cool power set it was so new and so fresh and this is what we loved about Jeff Johns as a writer it was his ability to take stuff that had happened before in the 60s and 70s and make them more relevant and not just paying homage to it, but by building off of it mm-hmm. and giving some sort of credence to it. And th- that was something that I don't think we really had like at DC before. Like everyone else liked to play mm-hmm. up the legacy, but they didn't really add to it. They kind of just drew off of it. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's something that even with our well, number 10 pick with Quiver, you know, it had yeah. those moments, and that's, you know, we, from 10 to 1, like, mm-hmm. it's the same kind of building off it's of... the Hell Jordan the, stories. The previous, you know, that, that previous character and in, in, in the history of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that was something that brought us, and it didn't exclude anything else that had happened between, you know, mm-hmm. anything else. And it gave credence to just why they gave him white, you know, white on the side of his mm-hmm. head. Or anything else with, that they did with Hal Jordan, and the character just kind of it it really shined, mm-hmm. and everything about him. And when you think back about my love for Green Lantern, I feel bad that I haven't been reading Green Lantern, 
and it's one of those things that I kind of I almost every week or every month I look and see what's kind of going on in the Green Lantern world and want to jump back on but it's like you know what I'm I don't want to jump on to be disappointed because I have so much love for this character for those five six years that Jeff Johns was part of this character mm-hmm. and see as someone that still reads Green Lantern I find myself like waning from it now because I was buying all those Green Lantern books I was buying Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps uh, New Guardians Red Lanterns and just over time like they just started to kind of peter off more and mm-hmm. I think it's just due to the fact that you now had different writers on it it was becoming more of that editorial driven um, I mean that's something we were talking about before mm-hmm. but it wasn't Jeff John's baby anymore like he had kind of passed it off. It had been adopted by other people. And it turns out they went to crack houses, you know. It just, it wasn't where I need to be. So I slowly started to fall off of those books. And while I still, you know, consider myself a Green Lantern fan, I'm now buying Green Lantern just out of that sense of responsibility more than I am because I want to see what's happening next. Right. Right. And, th- and that's sad. No, this took this run took one of the big seven and had him more published than the trinity you know imagine that like you had like during one point you had four different green lantern books coming out when superman only had two you know action comics and superman batman only had two detective comics and batman and unfortunately wonder woman only ever has wonder woman except for now right now uh she's has more books but Green Lantern had four different books coming out at one time during during this run. You had Green Lantern Corps, you had Green Lantern, you had Ion, and you had a Guy Gardner book. Right? Yeah, there was a uh, like the Guy Gardner book. Then they had uh, he was like like almost like a War Machine, or he had some type of name like that because he could he wasn't creating constructs, but he could change his hand into a blaster cannon or something. No, no, after Rebirth, after yeah, Rebirth, oh, after it Rebirth. was yeah. I'm talking. There was they, like, they, there was a I can't remember what it was called. I, they had the Guy Gardner book, but then they had a Guy Gardner John Stewart one that was like Emerald Warriors. Yeah, I think that. Was like, like, but I, I was buying all those. Like mm-hmm. I have, I was buying single issues, and then I went back and I was actually buying the trades of all that when they would come out because I would constantly reread everything. Mm-hmm. Like, they're still sitting on my shelves. Like I'm, I'm thinking like, hey, I want to go back and reread these again. I, I admit, freely admit that I'm not the biggest fan of uh, what they've done with the War of the, after the War of the Light uh, Blackest Night series. I, I felt like, okay, I got the story. I was kind of done with these different, you know, color spectrums after that story. I, I felt like they served their purpose. But, man, I will go back and read Rebirth and Sinestro Core War, like, once a year. Those are yearly books for me. Like, just to keep myself up as being a comic book fan, just to re, you know, reprime that engine. Because, you know, it, it's an expensive hobby, comic books. But these things, like, they just, like, this is why I'm a comic book fan. Yeah. This right here, this story, this is what I'm chasing every time I buy a new comic book. To be reinvigorated, to, to have a writer just take me on a, a journey like this. Like, these stories are what make me a fan of this genre. Uh, and there was a short time in that Jeff Johns run where I'd hit money problems and mm-hmm. I couldn't keep up on my books. 
And for like my birthday, Chris was like, I'm sorry you haven't been able to do this, but this is what you missed, and gave me the Sinestro Core War hardback <laughs> books. And then for like Christmas, he was like, Yeah, you still missed it. Here you go. And I was just <laughs> like, Oh man, this is so great. And so there's a short time in that series where I wasn't able to keep up with mm-hmm. stuff, but then I was just like, no, I need to make time. I need to not do that extra thing there so I can stay on with these books. Mm-hmm. And it just, it never disappointed. Yeah. One through three for our list. Like, if you've ever fallen off, off of being a DC fan, like during the like aught, the early aughts, if you weren't really interested in what DC was doing, read 52, and you'll just be primed and ready to go. If you weren't a fan of the new 52... Read that Scott Snyder Batman, and you're ready to go. If you weren't a fan of like the rest of the, you know, not the Trinity, just read Green Lantern, and you'll be just like, just so salivating for what's next. I, uh, I'm, I, I have boxes and boxes mm-hmm. of comic books, and I haven't fully gone through to really search through. But in the few boxes that I've gone through, I've been able to pull apart like some of my 52. And I was like, I don't, I know that I'm missing all of this. Mm-hmm. So last year for my birthday, when the future wife, before she was future wife and just girlfriend, asked me what I wanted, I, instead of saying like the trades, I wanted them all in single issues. So I found them on a website where you could <laughs> buy all the single issues. And I was like, if you buy me anything, this. I have all the single issues right there. I keep on looking at it, like 452. <laughs> and, she, and that's why I know it's 4.5% of 4.5 pounds of comic. And she bought me mm, 75% of them. Oh, what a bitch. And some why of them, her? some of them what were the like, hell? some, well, she tried, she didn't understand. She hasn't listened to this episode to know, but it was one of fun. I, future <laughs> wife is amazing. She's a lot of fun. She'll play board games with me, so uh, and she lasts. That, that's all you need to be on Paul's good side. <laughs> yep. But it was one of those things that I had, um, you know, like she gave me, and some were doubles, and I was just like, oh my! I, and I read through all of them, and then I'd pull up that double issue that I had, and I was like, oh, she already gave me this. I already read it, and then I'd read it again. I'd read that second issue that she bought me that double of. I'd read it again because it was that good of a series. Don't hand it to me because I'll walk home with them. Yeah, that's heavy. Oh, uh, so four yeah. and a half pounds of comics. <laughs> and I mean, the Green Lantern stuff. Anytime I've gone through my comics and I come across a Jeff Johns book in that series, I stop going through those comics and I read it. Batman. Anytime I'm just like, oh, I feel like a Batman book. I can digitally just pull it up on my phone, which is awesome for the most part saying, oh, I can go back and reread this anytime I want. Boom, I have it wherever I am. And those top three, I think, are some of the greatest stories DC's ever told. And, I mean, if we want to talk about some of our books that didn't get the list, because I know there was a couple that you wanted um, to at least bring up in our honorable mentions. Um, I think we all had some. Yeah. Uh I, I have to mention, at least uh, honorably here, Crisis on Infinite Earths, Marv Wolfman and George Perez. Uh, this was the first rebirth of the DC Universe. 
I think that we've gotten, and this was taking all the different uh, streams of Earth to, you know, all the different universes that DC had going on in comic books and combining them. And, and everything that we get in DC Universe now, they herald back. They, they, hey, you see that character with his legs spread and holding a character, you know, and like his head held up high, like screaming to the sky. That's that's from Crisis on Infinite Earths. It's the se- replayed of the scene of uh, Superman holding Supergirl. It's they always harken back to this series, and I think it's a major major touchstone of what the DC universe is. Constantly, they always go back to Crisis on Infinite Earths. Infinite Crisis was going back to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you know, twenty almost twenty years later. Mm-hmm. I, I think it needs to be at least mentioned here, honorably. Um, Chris? Um, one of the other ones I had, it was also another Vertigo book. And this is probably my second favorite Vertigo title of all time. And this is Fables. And this was the Homelands arc, um, which tells the tale of Little Boy Blue using the Witching Cloak and the Vorpal Sword to head back to the Homelands that the Fables escaped from and taking the fight... Uh, to the Emperor, and I just, I thought this was a, an amazing story arc. Um, and it's one of those ones that I didn't think would get too much traction on the main list, because, Paul, I know you were not a fan of Fables at all. And this no, was more, like, this is on I, my list of, like, favorites. I got through three, uh, three trades of Fables. Paul liked Fables. You can go back and listen to mm-hmm. even one of our Christmas specials where Chris picks Fables as his... Um, mm-hmm. his list pick and Paul says don't tell me so- too much I'm really really into this mm-hmm. what happened was is uh, the writer of Fables started writing JSA and, and it sucked Paul refused to read anything ever by that guy again Yeah, pretty much <clears throat> Bill Willingham ruined JSA Fables still stands as one of my all time favorites and when I was talking about one of my trades like being in that state of disrepair and falling apart it is this volume, um, hmm. Homelands, because I can constantly just go back and reread this, and it's Little Boy Blue being a badass, and then you find out at the end that he actually did this, uh, this like a secret mission on behalf of Prince Charming, which was a nice little twist. Uh, uh, Fables I- is, I think, an amazing, amazing series. Anytime I start dating a new girl, they're like, <laughs> oh, you like, you like... You, you, all right, you've dated. There's no more fan. There's gonna be no more fans of Fables because John stopped dating. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bill and, Willingham. You only have John Weatherwax to blame. I mean, and, not getting more Paul re- for uh, giving up on you. Oh yeah, well, um, because his GSA run sucked. But anytime a girlfriend or someone I've just begun mm-hmm. dating is like, "Oh, you like comic books? Oh, what's that like?" And I'm like, "Here," and I give him that first volume. Or second volume of Fables, and it's like, oh wow, comic book. I don't know why I'm doing that voice. For, like, I, Chris, Chris, you know why Future Wife is so cool? Because she didn't go, oh wow, Fables. She oh, went, wow. oh wow. She went, oh wow. Why the Last Man? <laughs> but she's very unhappy with the ending of well, Why the Last Man. Uh, actually, be happy with but. first comic book I gave that girl, Saga. Mm. Uh, what T-shirt did she wear yesterday? Saga I don't know. I didn't hang out with her yesterday. Saga t-shirt oh, cool. that I bought her. Uh, no, and 
she she loves reading. So any book you give her, she she plows through. I, she's she surpassed me on like all my favorite books too because I'm like, oh, I get I'll get around to reading that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Fables is one of those. It's just it's an amazing take on those characters, and knowing like in hearing Bill Wilhelm talk about what he wanted to do but couldn't do because of licensing. You're like, oh, that would have been amazing, or mm-hmm. this. But what he does do because he can't do that other thing, still great. I mean, not mm-hmm. not to spoil anything for this epic series, but like when Geppetto is the big bad, it was amazing. That, that is a spoil. Oh, that, you're, like you're gonna read it. it I, <laughs> shut up. Sure. Shut up. I'm not going to, but I'm, you I'm, had the voice, this, I'm the voice of the listener. You had that series in your hands. You could read it at any I time, know. and you chose to... No, he ruined JSA. He didn't ruin JSA. Uh, originally, he wanted Peter Pan. Yeah, but he couldn't get the rights from the uh, hospitals within no. London that owns uh, the rights to Peter Pan now. But yeah, if we were able to pick an 11, a top 11... Uh, Chris Fables would probably be number 11. Uh, what was your honorable mention? Uh, my honorable mention is actually... Can I just ask Chris about the yes. Vorpal Sword real quick? Because yeah. that's been a D&D thing forever. Where In Fairy Tales, where's the Vorpal Sword? Uh, the Vorpal Sword actually comes from... Uh, what is it? Alice through... Oh, killing the uh, Jabberwocky? The Bandersnatch. The ja- yeah. The Jabberwocky? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, so that sort of goes snickersnack. Okay, because Vorpal Sword is a sword that if, as long as you don't roll a one, you kill whatever you want in D and D. But if you roll a one, you die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my number, my honorable mention, is actually I didn't get to the comic book stands when this came out. My best friend Chris mm. came and said, "You missed this here. It was only a dollar. Don't worry about it." And that was home screen mm-hmm. died. Mm-hmm. Count, uh, uh. Oh. Countdown to Infinite Crisis. Oh, uh, God, yeah. Where Blue Beetle dies. And this is... Bites it. One of the most tragic stories, because he figures out mm-hmm. something's going on, and in the beginning he goes to everybody to try to help him, mm-hmm. and everyone just thinks he's, oh, he's being Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. Like, he's annoying. Batman's like, uh, please, come on. Yeah. I didn't give you my location to the Batcave for you to come and bother me with everything. Leave me alone. And he chooses to go and try to stop this. And he has this moment where he can do or die, and he chooses to die. He's not going to be a part of the evil that's coming. Mm. And I still think about this book. Like, it's an amazing book. They gave it away 80 pages for a dollar. Reprinted it. $2. $2. Still an epic an epic sale. Yeah, still, still a great purchase. And this is one of the moments where you're like, you fall in love with Blue Beetle. Ted Cord. And then you and then he dies at the end, and you're yeah. like, and you're still thinking, that's a good death yeah, for a yeah. hero like that. And I've read Blue Beetle before. I've had like the, mm-hmm. um, they put out that, they put out a couple trades that were like the um, West, not, like the West Coast uh, oh, I can't um, believe it's not Justice League International. Justice League yeah, International, something like yeah, whatever that was. And you get an idea of who the Blue Beetle was. And this is the Blue Beetle that was for my entire life who I knew. But this is the moment when you fall in love with who the Blue Beetle is, and it's his his kind of 
It's that, a swan song. It's the, yeah, it's that final arc for this character, and it's just heartbreaking, and it's mm-hmm. so well written, and they did such a great job with this, and I, it's something that I I always think about, and I always think whenever they do Ted Cord Blue Beetle that they're not getting that character right, um, and yeah, I, I think it's just one of those great stories that was almost like a throwaway story in some ways. So many great stories. We hope you enjoyed our take on uh, what we believe are our top ten comic books story arcs from the DC uh, publisher on whole. Uh, If you like this episode, please comment on it on our Facebook page. Rate and review us over at iTunes. Email us, contact at bagmordcast.com or individually, John, Paul, or Chris. We're also on Twitter, at Bagnaboard. On Instagram, right? Are we? Yep. Uh, uh, yep, there we are. Uh, and uh, YouTube page. Yeah! Paul and I are going to be putting out our second wave, mm-hmm. season two of our board game reviews and talkabouts. Yeah, if you guys want a specific board game, we might already own it, <laughs> so just give us a shout-out. Give us an excuse to play it together. <laughs> We'll see you uh, during our not episode, which you already listened to. Special, special episode. Or special maybe not. episode. Who knows?